Hello, TBR fans. Welcome to another episode of Talk About Rock. I'm your host, Rob Edwards. Based in Buffalo, New York, a stunning with stunning audiences and live shows with record-breaking crowds, we have with us today a band with over seven Buffalo Music Awards, including Best Tribute. Please welcome Rick Allen from Grand Illusion. Rick, how are you doing today? Doing good, Rob. Good to see you. Good to have you on the show. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, how this all came about and stuff. And uh, I guess there's a story about when your tapes uh, got into the hands of the members of Sticks here at some point, too, way back in the day. Yes, exactly. Well, back in the day, we were looking for something that was a little out of the ordinary when everybody was doing cover bands. There were tribute bands around, but they were mostly referred to as clone bands, and there wasn't a lot of them. But uh, when we uh, started doing the Grand Illusion show, it really took off pretty quickly. We did really well at the Buffalo Music Awards, as you had said, um, and we had a demo tape that we used to shop around to various clubs and venues to try to um, get jobs in it. And uh, we had a girl in our booking office for the booking agency that we worked with at the time. And she actually went to Darien Lake on a night that we were already playing at a club called Sinbad's back in the day. So we couldn't go see Sticks, you know, not that we would at that time, we were just busy working. And she was able to get backstage. She got my demo, our demo tape to, to the members of Sticks. And at first they were a little put out because they thought it was actually a bootleg of their own performance. They were like, where did you get this tape? You know, and she right, was like, no, right. no, no, it's a, <laughs> it's a Buffalo tribute band. You got to check these guys out. So they listened to it with fresh ears and they were blown away. They said, you've got to get these guys, our road manager's private phone number back before cell phones. And uh, anytime, anywhere, they're close to where we're playing, tell them to come backstage, VIP passes. So the following weekend, they were in uh, Pittsburgh, which isn't too far down the freeway. We all piled into our vans and shot down there. And we got backstage. We met them. I got to see met, meet uh, Dennis DeYoung. We had a bunch of pictures taken with them. And we kind of had their blessing to move forward. So that was uh, a great beginning to, to a great story with uh, using this tribute band over the years. And that was quite a long time ago, but we've been enjoying a lot of success more recently uh, because of it. So it's been a blast. That's excellent. That had to actually really fuel your fire, you know, getting, getting to do that. That's, that's pretty amazing. Usually people only like, oh, think about, oh, maybe, maybe someday something like that'll happen. Maybe, you know, if we're playing their music or something usually, but that's, that's really amazing. Really cool. I mean, well, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna share a story with you real quick about that meeting that I think you'll get a kick out of that I've never told anybody before in my life about that. But, uh, you know, when I was listening to tapes in my car and practicing singing and playing different cover bands, I listened to a lot of sticks. I listened to especially a lot of Queen, a lot of Yes. So I'm always trying to, you know, get my chops up. And when I thought that there was a possibility that this voice I've been hearing in my car stereo since I was a teenager, I'm gonna actually meet this guy and I'm going to see him, and he wants to see me, and he wrote me a note that said, great voice, great job, can't wait to meet you, and I'm like all thrilled that Dennis DeYoung is going to expunge these pearls of wisdom on me to make me the greatest singer I could ever be. I can't wait to meet this guy. Right. So he comes out of his trailer, he sees me, he comes over, he puts his arm around me, and I'm a little bit statuesque, as you might say, compared to him, and out of his lips came those pearls of wisdom. He looked up at me and goes, Oi, you're a big one. <laughs> that was it. I said, oh, oh, okay. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> right. So I guess you can say that from then on, I can always say that Dennis DeYoung looked up to me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's excellent. 
I've been a Styx fan for, for a real long time. For, for me, when Grand Illusion album hit and came out in 77, uh, that was it. That was when I really started getting into music. And just the, uh, just the vocals uh, they were doing at the time was, was just amazing, you know. And, and they kept sure. doing oh, it, yeah. you know, with Grand Illusion, Pieces of Eight. It, it, was, it was some amazing writing, you know, with, uh, with Dennis and, and Tommy Shaw. And it was, it was just a really cool collaboration that was going on for quite a while. You know, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think I'm, I could be mistaken, but the last I read, I just read like a year or two ago that between 77, 78 and 79, they had released a number one album that went multi-platinum with Grand Illusion in 77, Pieces of Eight in 78 and Paradise Theater uh, in 79. And that record has never been broke. They're the only recording artist that ever had three number one hit albums three years in a row that went multi-platinum. So that says a lot for the writing skills, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. I remember when Paradise Theater came out and I so wanted to see them here in Buffalo and I just didn't yeah. have the cash to do it. And I was so disappointed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I couldn't see that show. I, I, I've missed them quite a few times, but um, sure. so it's been quite a change for them in things. I guess we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. What's happened with them a little bit, but tell us kind of like the evolution for you, for you guys, you started out like in the nineties doing doing this tribute and so it's kind of evolved into you have more more than one band going on or, or what what's actually happening here if you can you no the, too. the way that it's worked out is that we we when we first started out we only we started off as a four piece which worked out okay back then at the time we had one guitar player that was really exceptional at being able to play both parts uh, of both guitar players but you know, when you're young, you're you're trying out different things, and when you have a little bit of success, all you want to do is play, 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 right? Perform as much as you can. And unfortunately, one of the blessings and a curse of a tribute band is that it's a niche audience. They know what they're getting when they come in to hear you. They got to be six fans to come see you. But when you play so much week after week after week, especially in a smaller market, you tend to overexpose yourself. So people can only take so much of that, and then. They just get used to you being there and it's the same old stuff over and over again because their catalog is only so deep so we would change things up in the set list here and there but over a period of time members certain members of the band saw found other things that they'd rather do so as all bands do after you know a pretty good run of success between like seven and eight years uh we kind of all went our separate ways we played a couple of reunion gigs in the early 2000s and then uh and I think around 2010, we, tr we tried it again. We had one show uh, at the Trelf that went really well, but then I developed some rather serious uh, uh, health issues that are all fine. It's not that big a deal now. I've, I've actually learned to cope with it, but I, I thought that my singing days were over. So we took a long break and it was about seven or eight years again that I didn't sing or perform at all. And, you know, once when you're born to something like that, you just have to, it never goes away. It becomes part of who you are, not just something you do. And I, you know, I talked to a couple of guys and I, that were in the band before. And I said, you know, is there any way that you guys could see getting back together with me, even though I've got some restrictions? And they said, absolutely, whatever we got to do. So I was really lucky that they were willing to do that. That was only like two years ago. And then we had the pandemic last year. Right, and yeah scheduling issues we found out that we had kind of a luxury because what we decided to do rob when we first brought this band back out 
was we wanted to be in that mindset of go big or go home, like strictly large venues, large festivals, and not make the same mistakes we did when we were kids. So we decided to only play maybe 12 to 15 times a year, which is a lot smaller schedule, but it also keeps the demand up. It keeps the interest up, you know? So we don't run into the problem of overexposing. Uh, recently, we had uh, one of our drummers that was with us for a long time depart to do other things. We brought in a new drummer who's been working out very, very well. Every bit is, 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 uh, is as great a sound as we've had in the past. Um, so uh, that's all worked out well. We did pick up a second guitar player for the first time when we started this two years ago and that changed the complete dynamic of the band. Now it's like the way it always was supposed to be. But um, we kind of changed up some personnel as well in the guitar, uh, guitar area. Um, and first, I want to mention that the, the guitar players we have right now, John Daniels, who is the lead guitar player and uh, co-leader of another band he plays with, with his wife called Passionworks, has been a world-class guitar player in Western New York for years. So we were really lucky to get him. Right around that same time, just over a year ago, we also picked up Scott Helfrich, who's another amazing guitar player and carries some of the Tommy Shaw vocals for me, which is really nice having a nice second strong vocal in the band to help uh, push out those six harmonies. Our uh, bass player is a world-class musician, Berkeley educated in music, Rick Stave. Some people might remember him as the bass player, keyboard player from bands like Disco Duck, Wonderland, uh, you know, other many, many other bands. He's in another band right now called Sequins. And uh, he's an amazing talent as well that brings vocals to the, to the, to the show as well, which helps a lot. And our newest addition, the new drummer that we've got is Michael Tantillo, who not only has been one of the great utility area drummers in the area for decades, but I'm fortunate with Mike because uh, I actually played with him in a band like 30 years ago. And we've always loved each other, respected each other, but we never really had the opportunity to work together again until this opening came up for a drummer. And now he's playing with me. And coincidentally, he ends up being John Daniel's cousin. So we've got one big happy family, you know, working with us. Um, unfortunately, because they're all such great musicians and they're all so committed to so many other projects, every once in a while, an opportunity comes up where they're either committed to something or, or um, you know, an opportunity comes for the band and they just have other prior engagements that they just can't release themselves from, which I totally understand. So there's been times where we have had to use alternate musicians, but the alternate musicians we use uh, have been just absolutely world-class as well. We wouldn't skimp on anything. And the only reason we would move forward with anything like that would be if the show was big enough and was uh, worth going through all of that and the musicians that we bring in would not compromise the quality of what we're trying to do in any way, shape or form. So we've been really, really lucky. This is something that I'm sure that some of your uh, previous podcasts you've been able to touch on is just this amazing mother load of talent that we're blessed with in, in Western New York. You know, I just uh, can't get over how many musicians there are out there that are still doing it. They're all involved in multiple projects, but they're absolutely up to the task of being able to fill in when we need somebody. But uh, my number one choice is our regular lineup because those are the guys that have it down. But uh, the other musicians that we brought in, it's not just good enough. It's really close to, to, to what we uh, normally can do with the regular lineup. So I'm really happy about that. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and that's that's kind of why we started this this show in general, just to just to bring it out to Buffalo and make them realize, you know, 
Uh, there's still live music. There's still live shows out there. Things are opening up. Things are starting to happen. You know, you need to go out and support these local musicians. We, we do have a lot of talent. You know, I, I know countless people that have played in bands or been in bands at some point in their life. You know, unfortunately, there's not a lot of venues to play in Buffalo. It's kind of a, a smaller area. So you have to expand to other areas like Rochester and things like that. Right, but right. It's, it's a close-knit community, right? I mean, usually somebody in your band knows knows somebody in other bands, and it just keeps following down the line. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and, that's and true. And I love that about our town. Yeah, you know I mean? that's true. Yep, we've actually branched out, and 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 even though we're based here in Buffalo, we are what I would consider a regional band. We've played everywhere from you know Southern Pennsylvania, Northern Virginia, all the way up to. Uh, a little town 15 miles south of the Arctic Circle called Ramouski, Quebec, and every place in between. So we're definitely a Northeast regional band, but uh, with COVID, it's been a lot harder to get other areas of the country to open up to out-of-state bands for, you know, their own reasons, what health reasons, whatever, and you have to respect that. And when they're ready to have us, we'll go back, you know, but for the time being, we're really, really lucky and fortunate that the interest in Grand Illusion has peaked right at exactly the right moment when everybody's back out there wanting to do things again, you know, so it's been a great plug. Yeah, let's hope yeah. we don't slide back into in too many areas with, with the health issues, you know, yeah, right. as it True. starts to kind of get, get a little difficult again. Let's hope, let's hope we press forward and, and things keep going forward as they are. Absolutely. But, um, you did mention uh, uh, the quote from, from, from Dennis uh, on your site and stuff, and that, that had to be amazing to hear that and kind of get his stamp of approval. Um, when you talk to him, but um, I wanted to get your take because obviously things have changed in Sticks now, right? Dennis is no longer in the band, and they have Lawrence Gowan now taking on his his duties. I don't know if we say his role, but kind of his duties because I think more of it's uh, kind of thrown over to Tommy Shaw at this point. You know what I mean? That's so I true. I think it's a pretty good mix for the band. I think I think uh, Dennis is super creative, but I'm I'm sure there was a lot of headbutting going on there. But what do you think of the new the new mix of sticks as it is now? Well, I've got mixed feelings about it because my personal musical tastes <laughs> don't get mad. None of the sticks fans out there don't get mad. But I absolutely love the new version. I absolutely love it. I was a Gowan fan from way back. I used to listen to him and Saga and Honeymoon Suite. Because, you know, all the musicians listen to Canadian FM stations back in the day, you know. Right, and exactly. Hear the new talent that's coming from Toronto, you know. And those bands were just starting out. And I remember hearing uh, John Roberts on, on one of the Canadian shows on Saturday or Sunday mornings. They would have, like, local talent bands that they would highlight. And they would, they would do, like, a showcase for. And those bands were in that mix. And I remember hearing Gowan. And he was one of my favorite progressive rock artists. I come from a place that... While Styx has been, um, has been added into the progressive rock genre over the years, depending on who you, who you, what list you look at, I was always much more of a harder core progressive fan. I was a huge Yes fan, Genesis, Pink Floyd, King Crimson, Saga, that whole, uh, Marillion, that whole branch of, of progressive rock. And I was actually surprised to hear that uh, Larry Gowan was, was uh, joining Styx. And I'm like, really? That's kind of... Huh. You know, that's like hearing that, you know, John Anderson would be playing with Kansas. You know, it's it's like a real progressive. Well, Kansas is pretty progressive, too. It's probably a bad example. But but um, you get my point. It just seemed kind of funny to me that he would be joining them because it seems like something that's really, truly, purely progressive to something that's sort of like more classic rock progressive. And, yeah. and uh, 
man, I'll tell you, the fitness has been great. I love the new, uh, I love the new um, album. Is it, I can't remember the name. Is it Crush the Crown? Crush Crown, yeah. yeah. Crush Crown, yeah. Crush, oh my God, such great tracks on there. I read the long description from the liner notes and I just love what they're trying to do. Um, but uh, when I said I'm conflicted, the conflict comes with what I want to do with this band. And when you're talking about new stuff, it's really difficult, especially in a tribute band, to sell, to, to sell a band and play newer stuff that a lot of people may not have heard. Right. But I, so, so I still have a very deep, passionate love and respect for the older, more classic material, you know? Uh, Madam Blue, Come Sail Away, Renegade, Blue Collar Man, Lady, Fooling Yourself, even Mr. Rivato, you know, all those great, great classic songs. That's what people want to hear. Yeah. So in order for me to go out and do what I want to do and to make the people happy by playing six music, you've got to play the classics, you know? So, so where my personal taste, I hate to sound like I'm riding the fence and I'm not committing anything, but, but my personal tastes are I absolutely love the, um, the newer, uh, more progressive version of, of sticks, but I also, my heart belongs to the classics, like, like old family members, you know, they're just people that they're just, the, they're like people that you just can't let go, you know, you just have to play. Yeah, you know? I think, I think when I, when I've seen them, um, perform a couple times with, with Gowan, I think it's a perfect fit. I was, I was still amazed. I was a big Gowan yeah. fan, you know, a lot of the stuff he had done, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I was like you, I was like, I didn't think that would be such a perfect fit for him in there, but it, but it definitely seems that way. Definitely yeah. not taking anything away from Dennis D. Young because I think he was such a creative force. We would not have all this amazing music and lyrics from them without him. Definitely not. But I think the fit is is great. With him yeah, I do too. Absolutely. Yep. I'm I'm really happy with it, and I and I think I think Sticks fans will be will be happy with it too. I've seen a couple of different uh, videos of their shows, and it's been mm -hmm. great. You know what they're doing. So you did bring up kind of the one album that was that's kind of like uh, a lot of debate in the sticks community, right? When mm -hmm. Mr. Roboto hit, right? When Kil Kilroy yeah. was here, Kilroy was here, came out. That was yeah. kind of a breaking point in the band. Are we gonna are we gonna get really really progressive or really into a concept type of thing, or are we gonna yep. or are we want to rock more? You know, and they kind of they kind of shook the boat right there. For, for me, it definitely did. You know what I mean? I was looking, yeah. I definitely love the concept albums, but of course you, you need to have the rock in there too. And, and for, for me, that was a defining album. It's like, okay, this is changing right now in this band, you know? Yeah. From what I understand, from what I knew back then, being so involved with them over the years, is that that was kind of when they had that real continental shift, you know, that tectonic shift between the members of the band because uh, JY and Tommy Shaw just wanted to have a good, rock band, a good classic heavy rock band, rock and roll pop band. And Dennis was leaning a little bit more towards the theatrics of like the early Peter Gabriel Genesis days, you know, and he wanted to do more theater stuff. And uh, the other members from what I've read, and I don't know them personally, from what I've read, if you can believe everything you read is they really hated that part of yeah. it. That, that, yeah, that's that what that caused those major rifts between Dennis and the rest of the band because he wanted to be more theatrical and they just want a really good solid rock band. Yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of what I've read from Tommy Shaw when when they mm -hmm. put that out, it kind of like kind of like killed him a little bit having that. But on the other side of it, I know how it is for a frontman. You want to be theatrical, you want to be performance driven. You know what I mean? You want to capture oh, that crowd. Cool. So it's kind of a hard mix sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, 
So yeah, for, for me, it was a big defining album for me there and saying, okay, is, is, is when that came out, is, is six going to go on after that? What's going to happen? And a lot of things changed, you know, Tommy Shaw sure. went on to do things, you know, after that, do other, do other, other projects and stuff. And it was kind of unknown what was going to happen. Yeah. But um, I'm glad that they're, they're where they're at now and they've, they've got gone with them and, they, and they've got their, you know, they've got their sound back and it's great to see them out touring. So mm -hmm. um, about you yourself, you, you've done some solo work also, some solo projects yourself, have you done? I think. Yeah, actually I, I put out a, um, a solo uh, cassette in the mid nineties that uh, did okay locally, but I was in a, um, one of my other passions, because I love, you know, if you talk to any musicians that have been around for more than five minutes, Rob, and you know this, your interests in music are wide and varied. I mean, Freddie Mercury sang opera, for crying out loud, you know, so everybody's got um, something else that they're interested in. And one of my favorite uh, periods and genres of music was like the mid to late 90s, early to mid 2000s of heavy rock, alternative rock. And I was really interested in exploring those different, um, what seemed like finally some really heavy, hard rock songs that, that um, kind of harkened back to the days when I first fell in love with Led Zeppelin and ACDC when you're a kid, you know? So I, was, I started gravitating towards Godsmack and Disturbed and Default, Three Days Grace, you know, Chevelle, all that kind of stuff. I just loved it. And um, so I got together a band with uh, actually my original Grand Illusion guitar player, uh, Brian Scranton played uh, six string bass with me in a band, four piece band called Bone Deep. And it was a great, uh, very well received uh, um, CD locally, as well as, uh, you know, we sold quite a few copies online on Amazon, still available on Amazon. I haven't sold them for a while, but, uh, but, but I just absolutely loved the experience and I love doing that. And unfortunately, as with all things, you know, um, there's creative differences and people get involved in other things. And, uh, you know, those, those, it just didn't really last that long. But for the short time we were together, you could really hear there was a lot of potential in that band. And I, one of my truest blessings and regrets was that we were lucky enough to hook up with Kenny Rutkowski at the old Outer Limits recording studio on Walden Avenue off of Harlem. Did an absolutely stellar job producing and mixing that down. He's worked with Eminem and other great stars in the city, but um, the, the regret is that we weren't able to capitalize on that success and, and move forward with that as an original project. But, you know, we got great CDs out of it, so I was happy with that. You know, it's just a great experience all the way around. I'll never look back at that as it was anything negative because it's all gross, you know. It's all yeah. forward progress. You know? Yeah, we, we've discussed this on, on previous shows about uh, how music has changed so much from oh, the geez, format yeah. it used to be where you would, you, would, you would put out an album and you would tour and you would kind of feel out your markets and kind of go from mm -hmm. there. Now it's not like that. Now it is so difficult for musicians because music is streaming, you know, no one, no one buys a CD, no one oh. buys a tape. You know what I mean? It's, it's horrible. It's, you know, it was, it was, first it was downloads. Everybody was downloading mm -hmm. music and then uh, the record companies, you know, didn't know what's happening or didn't want to make changes. And, and now it's all streaming. So it's, it's, it's so hard for you musicians now it's, it's, actually been, it's actually been like a mixed lesson because with all the technology, you've got a 14-year-old kid that can sit at his mom's dining room table with a laptop and a couple of chunks of software with a guitar and a couple of effects boxes and actually produce, not a demo quality, but a finished product, fully mastered CD quality demo of his own music 
which back in the day where I come from, you'd have to get signed with a record company because it would cost tens of thousands of dollars to do that. And yeah. then they, and then if you get signed, that doesn't mean you're an instant star. That means you're part of their stable. So now you're going to have to play every little bar gin joint from Maine all the way to Florida and back again just to put some seasoning on you. And then they want to hear what your next original is going to sound like. So it was a very long grooming process where all that studio time they pay for up front for the demo, you had to pay back. So you never made anything for years. And now the kids can do it themselves at, the, at a dining room table, like I said. The problem with that, in my opinion, is, you know, you would think, well, that's easy, you know, so that's so much easier than we had. But that comes with its own problems in this generation as well, because now to have an independent, even a small independent label, even look at you as you have to have a social network footprint following of no less than at least 100 to 150,000 followers. Plus, you have to have at least a guarantee being able to fill rooms no smaller than 500 to 1,000 people regularly. Like you're no bad nights, no bad nights. And then they might look at you if they think that what you're doing has got promise. So it's, it comes with its own problems that we never had back in the day, but we didn't have the technology that they have these days either. So it's just, it's always been competitive. The technologies always come with their blessings as well as their curses, but, but uh, it definitely has changed the, the landscape. Um, I would go one step further. I think in, in a large respect, I think a lot of the, the looping, the songs in the box, the way that there's like just add water stardom with shows like The Voice and, and American Idol. It's like a lot of these shows, people ask me if you've seen this episode, if you've seen that, I said, I don't even watch that stuff, man. Because in my opinion, yeah, a lot of them are musicians, valid musicians that have come up in the ranks. But the only way that you actually become a well-rounded artist, at least from this old man's old school point of view, it's just my opinion, don't kill me, is that you need to go through those experiences of playing little shithole, oops, sorry, can I say shithole? Yeah. I said <laughs> <laughs> Little shithole dives from the time you're 18, 19 years old, sneaking in bars because you're not 21, right. lying about your age so you can play, getting everybody to chip in and buy an old derelict school bus to shove all your stuff in the back end of it, to tote your stuff all over the state to play. There's something that comes with that. It's an edge. It's, it's a seasoning that you give yourself because that's all you want out of life is to do that and to have that sacrifice and to make those sacrifices and have that kind of laser focus on what it is you want out of this. I think a lot of it's missing today. I just don't think they get the opportunity to do that, you know? Yeah, it's all created. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, you need you need to go through the experiences. You need to what they call pay your dues. You need to you need Absolutely. to do that. And I and I could recall in the day, you know, we were talking about equipment and technology and stuff. And I would have sold my soul to have the right mixing board or the oh, right stuff back in the day. And now you uh -huh. can do it with software. You know, and a lot of these yeah. recording studios are not making the money anymore that that they could be making either because people right. are doing that. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Stuff is stuff is just. Uh, you know, created and they just, you know, producers and, you know, different people who really, really don't understand music. They just understand how to make money, put these mm -hmm. people together and try to do that. But yeah, it's all about uh, social networking and, and everything now is, 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 is pre-made. Do you have this following? Do you have that? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. think the one thing I hope that people start to understand more is the live music experience. 
Yep, exactly. That's what's lacking, you know, because this generation, yep. you know, sits behind their screens and sits on, on different, you know, social media platforms and they just watch things there. That's not a real experience, you know. Right. What I mean? Yep. Going to a live show, meeting people, doing different things there, seeing different things there, making friends. That's what this is about. That's what music is about, you mm -hmm. know, uh, creating that feeling. And, and and you remember that years from now, you know, you put on that song, you're like, and you're taken back to when you heard that song or what was going on or who you're hanging out with. That's what makes music magical. Oh, absolutely. I, you know? my, my own wife was, is, a, is, is a lot like us. She's, she's a very... Uh, well-educated music fan and she loves all kinds of music and i actually coaxed her uh two years ago to join me to see um danny elfman's violin concerto called 1111 at Kleinhans with the philharmonic and i love classical music i adore classical music and uh especially newer stuff uh, elfman and uh hans zimmer and and uh uh kiko mitsumi there's so much great soft jazz classical stuff that's out there and she was very hesitant because it was symphony, but she loves music and she does like some classical. But to your point, when we sat there and you felt that air move in Klein hands from a full symphonic orchestra, just whoosh, hitting you with that sound, it's like, oh, she was out of her chair. She could not believe the difference. And I think that translates to local bands and local venues as well, to see these shows put on and that's another place where the technology might have helped us in terms of being able to use more cutting edge sound technologies and lighting options that weren't available back in the day that are a lot smaller, a lot lighter, but carry a really, really big punch. So in a lot of these moderately sized venues, you can still get that kind of quality show, but you have to go see it live. It's not yeah. the same set as streaming. It's just not the same. Yeah. The only, the only thing that, that, that upsets me about it is that now, if you want to go see bands, ticket prices are skyrocketing because they yeah. can't make any money selling the product anymore. So they're only making money at live shows. So you really, yeah. really got to be picky in who you see. Maybe only see a band or two, a big name band or two, you know, each, each summer or whatever. You know, when, when I was younger, I was seeing five or six different bands back in the day. You know, yeah. I remember days of Sinbad's and going to see different, different, um, different bands at all the different clubs around, you know what I mean? And rock and roll oh, sure. in different yeah. places, you know, and. Blind yep. Melons and Salty Dog Skyroom. I, I remember seeing artists there. I remember seeing, uh, you know, Jackal packed them in at Impacts way back in the day and you couldn't even move. I, I you know what I mean? It was probably 20 bucks to get in. You know what I was mean? with those guys backstage when Jackal played. I remember that. that yeah, and, and now you're lucky if you get a seat for, for 150 bucks somewhere. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah, it's tough. It's, it really is. And, and that's kind of what, you know, uh, one man's terror is another man's treasure, you know, where that might not work out well for the Nationals. It's definitely helped uh, with the tribute band genre because now people can get to see if you can find a good tribute band for an artist that you are a fan of at a fraction of the price. Ticket prices are reasonable. They put on a show that hopefully is at least in some form faithful to the original artist. And, and it's uh, it, because it's live, it's a lot different. And, and people, when you've got the choice between streaming sticks, for example, at home, or coming out and seeing a Grand Illusion show, there's no comparison, you know? So, so I think that's, uh, that helps us in our case and all other tribute bands that are out there at this time right now. So it's... Yeah, we've talked to quite a few tribute bands and, and I give you guys credit for, for some of the classic bands that you're, that you're paying tribute to. It is not easy. You know, these fans have heard these songs hundreds of times. Oh yeah. You know, so they're, they're waiting for that part in this song or that part in this song to be just on, you know what I mean? We're talking to uh, 
the yeah. Simply Queen tribute band a couple of weeks ago, you know, and you know mm-hmm. they're watching, you know, his Freddie Mercury moves and stuff. And I'm, and I'm sure the same you, the same thoughts go through your head when you're when you're on stage too. Oh sure, I I, I just never. Um, it's it's kind of a thing where when you're born to be a performer, you know, when you when you're five years old and cutting it up for your friends and their your parents and their friends to cocktail parties, you know, I'm a, just a ham. I'm a performer. I'm always want to be the center of attention. So it's real easy for me to get up there and act like a nut, you know. But but it's it's a performance. It's not just getting up there and playing songs. You have to sell yourself. I just had a recent conversation with our drummer about this, and uh, he's right. You don't go up there and just play through the songs. That's just a jukebox. You want to go up there and you want to perform the songs. You want to sell the lyrics because you have to care about the music. You have to care about the message and, and the actual story behind these songs that you're trying to sell to these people. And you got to be faithful to that. So it's, it's like you have to give it all or nothing or, or, or stay home because it's not, it's not worth it. You know, One of the things that we're lucky, as you mentioned, Queen, is like obviously Freddie Mercury is a personality. He's one of my all-time favorites. Love Freddie. Um, you, but but we're fortunate in the sense that while Styx does have certain vocal characteristics that are very recognizable, um, it, it, we're fortunate that there's not that one standout frontman, so we don't really have to look all that much like anybody, you know. And uh, we've seen some pretty rag-ass Styx tribute bands from the Midwest and from out west, and and they're pretty lousy and they they actually wear the, the guitar player that sings one of the ones I saw the guitar player that sings the Tommy Shaw parts actually wears a blonde wig but it's like a little Prince Valiant page cut and it's like what are, are you just are you busting balls here or do you think that that's a good pass for Tommy Shaw you know I just I just don't get it so we just put on the best most honest show that we can we don't try to pretend that we're anybody else and I think some of that comes from our pedigree that we got the blessing from sticks themselves that said, just keep doing what you're doing, man. You're doing great, you know, and, and, and uh, have fun. And that's what we've been doing ever since. So you, you've got to sell that show though. And you've got to really make sure that they're right. And it's funny. Uh, I don't want to keep droning on here. I feel like I'm carrying conversation, <laughs> but uh, when you said to make those parts, uh, be loyal to those parts with all these newer people coming in and going out when we have to fill these gigs, we, the two guitar players that we have, who I adore, we've only had for about a year. Michael Tantillo, our drummer, just joined, you know, uh, we just signed on with him earlier this year. But to go over these songs and try to go through them at rehearsal with new personnel, it gives you like a whole new appreciation for the music itself. Because I'm still picking up little things that they would do on keyboards, that, that they were accent with the drums or accent with the bass that after 30 years of playing this stuff, I never even noticed, you know, there's still stuff that you can pick out that's different. And if you can pick those things out, it keeps it fresh and it makes it fun. And that's what, that's what it's all about is being able to be honest to the music and putting everything you got into it and being faithful to it. You know? That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. heard other, other tribute bands say exactly the same type of thing. They go mm-hmm. and revisit some of the, some of the work and they can pick out other stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. So if folks want to come out and witness the illusion, what dates do you guys have coming up? Actually, we'll be playing this Saturday, August 7th uh, at 9.30. We're headlining at the um, Wings Flights of Hope fundraiser on California Road at the Wings Meeting Place. Uh, Got three other great bands that are playing before us. Uh, Back to the Bars, uh, Yank the Cover, and Alley Cat, three really top shelf Western New York bands starting at 4 o'clock. 
there'll be raffles, there'll be uh, um, food, food being served. Uh, it's just a great cause and we just felt like we had to be a part of that. Uh, and if they can't make it to see us there, um, we'll be playing, uh, we're gonna be headlining um, two weeks later on August 21st at the uh, Rock the Barn show out in Clarence, New York. So we'll be headlining on Saturday night uh, at Rock the Barn. Then we've got uh, another show, uh, September 3rd, I believe, at the Rapids Theater in Niagara Falls, where we will be helping them celebrate their 100th anniversary for that theater. So there's gonna be a little bit of a Paradise Theater tie in there, you know, so that'll be, that'll be fun. So um, the best thing to do for folks is to get on uh, grandillusionrocks.com and check our events page because that's always up to date. I, I, I monitor that thing every single day. So we've got, uh, as you can see, our, our shows aren't, aren't, we don't play a lot of shows, but the ones that we do, we play enough that somebody should be able to catch us somewhere soon. Yep, definitely looking forward to seeing you live out on the road at one of those shows, hopefully, hopefully soon. Mm -hmm. That would be excellent. Uh, it's great speaking with you. And folks, if you want to hear more from us, you can always email us at talkingaboutrock at gmail.com. Please check us out and like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for other upcoming shows. Other upcoming shows we will be having, we'll be talking to Osmosis, the Ozzy Tribute Band, and we'll also be talking with uh, Straight On, the Heart Tribute Band as well. Oh, sure. So, Rick, thank you so much uh, for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, I can't wait to see you guys out on the road. No problem. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good night. You too. Thanks.